0: This content is brought to you by Unfound's supporters at Patreon, YouTube, and PayPal. On this episode, I will discuss the disappearance of a Seattle lawyer. I will recount the reappearance of a New York City doctor. I will analyze the possible connection between the Gilgo killer and Jesse Foster. And I will cover a bunch of other stuff, including taking questions from the audience. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for August 21st, 2023. Hello, everyone. (laughs) It is Unfound Live for August 21st, 2023. I hope everybody is having a a, a spectacular great day to start off the week. I've had a very good day. I don't know if anybody uh, uh, caught it, but um, because it's kind of at a weird time, uh, the world... The track and field world championships are in um, Budapest, Hungary. And uh, I was watching them today. So they're on like between 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock Eastern time. And Shikari Richardson, who is... Um, maybe having some Facebook issues here. Um, Shikari Richardson, who... Uh, is of course an American uh, woman who is a sprinter who, um, you know, a lot of things have been. Let's see here, what's going on here? Hold on just one second. Uh... I think everything's okay. Um, you know she's a uh, young woman who a lot of um with a lot of potential, and to this point, uh, I think in her career maybe she is maybe some people have thought she is overrated. She had a uh, um, she got uh, you know of course they test track and field athletes, and she was banned for a while due to being tested for marijuana. And, uh, but she went over to Hungary, uh, today and won the gold medal at the world championships. It was, and she was not expected to do so. She did not have a very good semi-final. And so she was way out there in lane nine. And she ended up beating the, uh, two women from Jamaica who were favored. And in doing so, she, had a uh, own personal best, I think maybe tied for the fastest time this year and might be the third or fourth fastest time in women's, uh, you know, hundred meter history. It was very moving, very, very moving. Um, I, I do like to follow track and field when it's on TV. I, I'm, I'm into all of it, not just the sprints, but uh, the longer distances, and the long jump, I don't know why uh, necessarily, but I've always taken an interest in track and field. And I was a huge Carl Lewis fan going way back, uh, going way, way back. So I always try to, you know, if it's the Olympics or Olympic trials or whatever, I try to follow them. So being that this was on today, uh, you know, between 1 and 4 o'clock Eastern time, I was watching it. And it was really uh, moving because uh, she was not expected to do that. And uh, she did it and it, it made it look easy, dare I say. And it was the same way yesterday. So it was a big upset. And then yesterday, Noah Lyles, who has been a 200 meter specialist, won the 100 meters. And that was also American, also somewhat of an upset. Um, it's been a couple good days for American track and field, dare I say. So that's just one of the things um, that I was doing today. Uh, but before we get too deep into this, I hope everybody will give, uh, if you're of course watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up. Please become a subscriber to this channel. Maybe you want to think about joining this channel on on um, YouTube. And if you're watching on Facebook, <laughs> and uh, if you are watching on Facebook, for example, on the Facebook page, I hope you will like it and share it. And if you're not, if you're a Facebook member, if you have a an account, I hope you will join the group uh, if you're not in there yet. And so I appreciate I, I'd appreciate all of that. A uh, very variety of ways that you can can support Unfound. Of course, as you can see along the bottom of the screen tonight, that is the PayPal uh, account for Unfound, paypal.me forward slash Unfound Podcast. If you like the content here, that is one very easy way to uh, support everything uh, that we do here. So let's see who's in here and uh, we'll move on to some other things. Hello, Gina. Unlikely I will watch this at 2 a.m. on a weekday morning, but just in case. Well, hello, Gina. Charles, what's going on, Charles? Good to see you, Charles. Happy birthday, uh, Charles. Uh, Not today, um, but this past week. Hello, Melody and Karen and Charlotte and Deborah and Linda. Hand pink waving. There you go. Uh, Yeah, what's going on? Mark and Indy, what's going on? Yeah, the storms. Deborah's talking about the storms up there in over there in California. How how does it feel, California, to get a hurricane like Florida can get? Paula Linda, very hot and humid. Uh, Jasmine, wind. uh, Deborah says wind just uprooted one of my trees. Lights and lights just went out. Oh my gosh, Deborah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's what these hurricanes and things do. Uh, Sheree, thank you for moderating tonight. What's going on? And Patty and Kathy, the storm finally passed SoCal after about 22 hours of rain. Well, you know, Kathy, California's kind of been in a, a drought condition for quite a while now, right? That's why all those wildfires happen and everything. So... I'm hoping that will uh make the fire season uh not as bad. And the real coming to us from Australia where the uh Women's World Cup just completed. I watched most of the games down there, the Real. And uh Spain beating England uh in the final. Uh, I certainly believe that Spain was the better team. And Lisa Ed looks nice. Uh, uh-huh. thank you, Lisa. I did, uh, kind of pretty myself up today. I, uh, did an interview, uh, interviewed, um, the parents of a missing young man from Arkansas today, and that'll be the September 8th episode. So uh, I did get a shower and did my hair and everything today. So because it was one we did over zoom, and if you're ever wondering about that, it's just really the the uh, guest choice, whether they want to do it on Zoom or over the phone. Of course, they do it over the phone. It's just audio. It's over Zoom. I try to provide both. And um, so being that I knew I was going to be on camera today, I kind of, you know, had to do myself up. Uh, Bruce, what's going on? Good to see you. Uh, of course. Uh, Bruce, uh, former guest for the Pickering Six. Bruce, great to see you. Hello, Twinkle. Yeah, everybody's in here uh, tonight. Mary, what's going on? Patricia, good to see you, former guest. And Mary, uh, thank you all for joining. uh, Billy. And yeah, there you go. Everybody's putting emojis and everything in here. Most people are on Facebook, got a couple... Uh, Most people are on YouTube, a couple of Facebook people Uh, Did you hear about the shout out, Derek? I did, uh, in fact, uh, at the end of last week's live show, Carol I actually actually thanked him for that Yes, I know about that Uh, Thank you for reminding me, though Can you see comments live over Facebook during last night's live show? I mean, I I can see uh, comments from everywhere Uh, Mary, yes I can And hello, Glenn, what's going on with you? So, uh, what else is going on with me? Um, got a big tournament coming up here in a couple weeks, uh, in Orlando. I already have my Airbnb and B reserved over there. And, uh, in fact, it's just for Saturday night. It's actually a three day tournament Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, because that's labor day. So of course, most people have off. So it's going to be one of the rounds. The last round will be on Monday. And I really only have days reserved, nights reserved at this Airbnb for Saturday night and Sunday night. I'm actually thinking about maybe adding on a, another day and just getting over there the day before instead of get, getting up early Saturday morning to go over to Orlando. I really quite haven't figured that out yet. But that's a big tournament. Uh, it's called the Southeastern uh, amateur championships, so only amateurs are playing there. And this is a tournament that's been going on since 2013, so it's like the 10th year. But they missed a couple years because of Worlds and COVID and everything. But I'll be playing on three different courses over three rounds. And I'm feeling pretty confident. Um... So I, I'm I'm having a, a good feeling about I'm not saying I'm gonna win my division or anything. Let's not get crazy. But I'm um, thinking some good things are gonna happen over there in Orlando. I've been feeling very uh, calm and confident on the course, although maybe it hasn't shown up in my score so much score so much late recently. But I'm really looking forward to going over there. I haven't played in a tournament in Orlando since Worlds in August of 2021, and that did not go well at all. In fact, um, you know, that tournament was the tournament that eventually drove me to going to see a sports psychologist, and that has certainly helped. So I'm looking forward to going uh, over there and getting revenge on Orlando. (laughs) And um, this will also be the first time I've gone out of town for a disc golf course, a disc golf tournament since, I don't know, maybe Floral City last year. It's been a while. There's been so many tournaments just within driving distance in the Tampa area. You know, there's really been no reason to go play tournaments outside the area. So this will be the first time uh, in a while. And in fact, I should have done something here. Hold on. One um, forgot to do something. Let me let me just check and see something. Uno momento. Because there was a, supposed to be a sign up for a Oh, this technically open registration so until till 24th. OK, I don't have to worry about that tonight. All right. So I got that going on, um, but for all of you Think Tank people, I'm anticipating in two weeks that we will have our Think Tank on Sunday night, even though I, I will be in Orlando, and even though I'm going to be having that uh, round on Monday, I fully expect for a live show to be on that Monday night as well. I don't, I don't see any conflicts uh, right at this point. Maybe the Think Tank may get pushed back a little bit, Maybe to 8 o'clock or something, but we'll surely be able to make it work uh, in a couple weeks. Of course, that's for those Patreon supporters, patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. So that's one of the other things. And uh, I'm just going to give a – I need to give a shout-out even though they are not an advertiser on this uh, live show. But – One of the big things that has kind of been a problem between my dad and myself in the last, let's just say since my mother died in 2018, is one of the most frustrating conversations I always have with my dad is when he has computer problems. He'll call me up, Ed, this isn't working. Ed, that's not working. Ed, my printer won't print, on and on and on. And finally... When I was up seeing my dad for this couple weeks and we had a great time, I, I, the two weeks went very fast. I'm, I'm hoping that my uh, dad had a great time as well. Well, what I did was I put a um, a Dowlin program on his computer and also put it on my uh, HP laptop. So that when he has now any computer problems, I can just I can dial in, dial in. Look at me, nineteen nineties all over again. Dial into his computer in Pennsylvania and actually go in there and figure it out without him having to, you know, uh, tell me it over the phone and me trying to decipher anything. Well, we got to finally use it. A couple of days ago, and it was fantastic. It's called Team Viewer. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. But it worked fantastically. And I was so I have to tell you, it was on Saturday. I was so pumped up that it worked so well. He called me up. He had three different things he wanted me to look at on his computer. I said, No problem. So he opened his program. I opened my program. Uh, We dialed in, and I could just you know looking at my screen, but it was actually his screen in Pennsylvania, and it worked so well. I was so why I didn't do this years ago, I don't know. That's just that's on me. That's not something that my dad you know should have thought of. That's something that I should have thought of, and uh, it just worked so well. And that is just like a complete load off my mind. You don't even know. You do not even know the amount of hours or is it the number of hours that uh, I spent, I've spent on the phone with my dad over like the last four years trying to figure out problems on his computer. You just don't even know. And now this uh, clears that all up. So if you know if you're also someone who has a parent doesn't live close and is um you know you often find yourselves on the phone with this person trying to figure out what's going on in the computer my I don't know why my printer won't print. I don't know where my desktop icons have gone. You know all this thing, thing these things that pop up I recommend you. And it was free, at least the way we're using it. Uh, Team Viewer is free. I would certainly recommend that to you. I mean, it was just, it could not have gone more smoothly. Uh, Mary says, I love Team Viewer. So Mary's familiar with it. Mark, I remember once when my dad asked me what I wanted for Christmas, I told him a shirt that said tech support on, and he turns 88 today. Aw, happy birthday to Mark and Indy's father. Yeah surely tech support surely and like I said it over the past few years uh that has been the most frustrating conversations I've had with my dad about computer problems and you know because my it's not that my dad is computer illiterate uh very much to the contrary the problem is he knows just enough to get himself in trouble <laughs> that's that's the problem so, uh, you know, he can get on there and he can sh- pay all his bills and check his banking accounts and go to the Slipper Rock football site and everything. And pretty much he's pretty smooth. The problem is that once in a while, he just gets himself into things, clicking things maybe don't happen as quick as it'd like. And he starts clicking around. And before you know it, uh, problems um, pop up. So, um, just very excited about that. Uh hello, Facebook user. It's 9 16 p.m. Hello to you and Twinkle Charles. That's a great idea using team viewer Charlie. I should have thought of this years ago. I just I need to have my head examined. Um I'd fit more into your dad's category and a couple years younger uh than you. Um okay, so just the dangerous enough Rockford, uh know enough to be dangerous. Marty's here. Good to see Marty. Um, Yeah, Marty in the flesh, not quite. Uh, Marty says, I convinced him my brother-in-law knows more about technology than I know, and now he gets those calls." Mark, you are crafty. Very, very crafty, Mark. Uh, I wish uh, I should have probably thought of something like that sometime. Uh, Flash flood warning just came up on your phone. Deborah, sorry to hear that. I know the feeling. Uh all of you California people certainly feeling it um and then you got an earthquake on top of that I was um I texted I sent a text uh to my friend Suzanne who lives in uh LA and I told her well, you know what's the deal you got a, you got a hurricane and you got an earthquake it's like you're living in Armageddon or something. Paul, my 83 year old dad has trouble finding pictures on his iPhone that have been put in an album at least once a week. Yeah, Paul, I know. Yeah. I know the feeling, Paula. So that's really uh, what's going on with me. Uh, not really uh, much going on. Uh, been pretty quiet here, continuing to do um, my voice exercises, but I've learned something. Um, I cannot do my voice exercises on think tank day or live show day Um, because the, it just wears my voice out. I know probably at like last Monday night for the live show, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I thought my voice sounded all right, but you do not know how much work it took to be able to get the words out last Monday night. And it's just because if I do my hour of practice or at any time, whether it's in the morning or or whenever, any time before this show, it just wears my voice out. It's not dangerous. I'm not hurting my voice or anything. It's just worn out. It's like running a marathon and then asking to run some more. So I've also on Think Tank. So on Sundays and Mondays, those are going to be my off days uh, from taking off of doing my voice exercises. Otherwise, I think they're going really well. Uh, We are actually welcoming the incoming tropical storm here. Uh, Cherie says no rain in 46 days. Wow. look We've had some storms roll through here, uh, Cherie. Um, Yesterday evening, it actually came from the east, strangely enough. What's going on, fishing? I see you fishing. What's going on? All right, uh, let's get in uh, to the show for tonight. And by the way, I did not get any questions before the live show tonight. So if you'd like to ask me any questions about anything going on out there, as long as it's not too personal, it's not religious or religion, it's not politics, um, I'll be happy to answer that question uh, if you'd like to put anything uh, in there. And for all of you on YouTube, if you would like to, uh, once again, uh, while you're watching tonight, hit the Super Chat button. That little box with the dollar sign in it. Uh, please do that if you feel like it. I'm going to go here first. Maybe this is... Um, we're going to kind of switch things up tonight. We're not going to go to the poll first. I want to talk about this... Jesse Foster situation in relation to the Gilgo killer. Of course, we now know uh, the guy who has been charged. His next, his name is Rex Huerman, H-E-U-E-R-M-A-N-N. I guess in some places he's being, um, you know, all sorts of uh, different labels that uh, people have given him. But right now the Gilgo beach Uh, Killer or the Long Island Killer, whatever you want to call him. But uh, there's been some articles written uh, about how they're checking to see if it's possible that this guy caused the disappearance of Jesse Foster, which is, of course, a disappearance we covered. I think that was episode number three in Unfound's existence going way back to September of 2016, and uh, I think it was Charlotte, are you in yes, you're in here, Charlotte, Charlotte, you had posted in the discussion group wanting me to see that article, and uh, I, I told Charlotte, I just don't think that, you know, is there a possibility? I guess, but You know, first, I'd like to know, you know, really have to first show if this guy was in Las Vegas at the time that Jesse Foster went missing. How about we start there before everybody starts throwing all these accusations and sensationalisms and everything? I mean, they're writing articles about this stuff just because he had a timeshare in Las Vegas, Two, uh, you know, other two points that come to mind. The first one is, um, are there not enough murderers or already violent people in Las Vegas already? Does Las Vegas really need somebody from outside the state to go there to kill anybody? Given that, you know, murders happen in Las Vegas too. That's the first thing. And uh, what did you post there, uh, Sheree? What is that a link to? Um, and then number two, uh, regarding you know trying to you know figure this all out, and something that comes to mind is you know Jesse had been getting beaten up and everything uh, by her own pimp. That guy, the the you know this guy who sex trafficked her from Canada to the United States already. Then to believe that some other guy came along, and killed her, it seems uh, a little unlikely. I'll link to the Jesse. Uh, thank you, Sheree. Yeah, for anybody, thank you, Sheree. Uh, I just saw the YouTube link, and I'm like, what is she posting there? Um, yeah, anybody who has not listened to the Jesse Foster episode. Yet, you can find that in the link uh, by Charlie. That's my assistant, Cherie, the moderator. She's posted that there. Thank you, Cherie. So those are uh, the two things that come to mind. Um, it just seems very, very unlikely. Um, we also have to remember that Rex Herman. Whenever he did start his killing spree, once again, I know, you know, there hasn't been a trial yet. I get it. But we have to remember that most of the women that Rex encountered in his life, most women that he encountered, he did not murder. Okay, he certainly murdered. I'm certainly willing to believe he murdered at least a few women. But over the course of those years in which he was killing certain women... He was around a lot of other women that he didn't kill. So just because he went to Las Vegas and he's around women does not mean he'd have killed any of them. Certainly, you could say that Jesse Foster fits into the demographic of the type of woman that Rex Hoerman killed. But you know what? A lot of serial killers kill prostitutes. So I don't think that makes it then that unique. Um but it it just is uh disappointing and disgusting to me that already people are starting to would write something like this when you know reporters and reporter I'm a reporter. That's what I am. Yeah, I know I'm a podcaster, but basically I'm a reporter. Why would you even bring up some, why would you take the time to write an article like that when nobody even knows if he was even in uh, Las Vegas? What was that? March, 2006. It it, it gives me the idea. They're just writing stuff for headlines. Now I realize for Jesse's family, you know, I guess it's, you know, it's a reminder. People don't want, you know, they don't want anybody to forget about her and, I guess, but this is how this, you know, this is how this kind of stuff gets started. And and then suddenly, you know, we're living in like a Reddit world where people just start throwing sensationalisms and theories and everything out there with no basis in fact. I hate it. So, uh, Charlotte, I'm not here to pick on you. You were the one that kind of, you know, put this uh, in my mind that. Certainly that story is being written certainly some people think it's interesting but we hear it unfound I know this is going to sound weird w- we don't do quote unquote interesting we don't or you know I don't I don't interview people about their own disappearances because necessarily they're interesting I mean all disappearances interest me so I guess interest, interesting, but we don't need, uh, disappearances to, you know, be unique and there has to be an angle or, you know, like Brian Schaefer, he's, you know, the, the, the ugly tunic camera we cover disappearances because they exist, not because we're trying to make them interesting or something like that. Whereas when I read a story like this, it just feels to me like somebody's looking for an angle and uh, somebody's trying to be um, clever, too clever by half, or, or something like that. Granted, if I hear anything or I read anything that there is proof that Rex was in Las Vegas at the time of Jesse Foster's disappearance, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I don't know how you'd prove that I mean there's there's surely records in some computer somewhere of of this timeshare and who had his timeshare at the time and everything surely that what is that seventeen years ago it exists somewhere I think it was two thousand six that she went missing um, that information exists somewhere, but how about go check it first <laughs> how about that and even so even if it was proven that he was in Las Vegas at the time of Jesse's disappearance. I still don't know what that means. I don't know if it means anything. Um uh, yeah, I think uh and I think I read this story a couple of weeks, uh maybe a month ago when this all started happening, is that um we have to remember that one of these women who went missing from Las Vegas – by the way, all of this occurred while I was there, by the way, while I lived there. And there is in my mind, given how long Jessie Foster lived in Las Vegas before she went missing and kind of uh, getting idea where she would go to meet men, uh, it would be weird if I could like rewind my memory. You know back to that time of two thousand four two thousand five two thousand six in Las Vegas wouldn't it be weird if I you know had passed Jesse Foster on the street or something? you know if you could do that, it would be uh you know so weird, but it just seems very very unlikely to me uh, it it just does. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh, Certainly, I believe that this guy is a killer. I realize he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, And who knows where a trial may go or could go or whatever else. But, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, You know, when I was there, you know, is when these women went missing, Jesse Foster being one of them. And then one of the... Uh, women's legs were found like often off a highway in Indiana or Illinois or something. And the article was written, well, you know, that would be the highway that Rex Urban would have taken if he was driving back from Las Vegas to New York. And I'm thinking to myself, I guess, I guess. But a guy who has a timeshare – in Las Vegas, would he really drive out there? I've made that drive just from Pennsylvania, which is at least a little bit closer to Las Vegas than New York is. It's no fun. If you're driving from New York to Las Vegas, that's like a 40-hour drive or something. And it's in a timeshare. You know, It, it just doesn't seem to be that practical. So there's that issue too. What seems much more likely, of course, is that this at least this other woman, not Jesse, but some this other woman who was murdered, um, got picked up by some truck driver or something. That seems to make more sense than trying to think that Rex Hoorman drove out to Las Vegas, picked up some woman, killed her, and then dumped her her legs at least on the side of the highway in Illinois or Indiana or whatever it was. That seems uh like a lot of work for that. So if you're wondering about that, if you've seen, I know a lot of you have been following the Gilgo killer stuff as I have. If you've seen that now you have my opinion on it. All of you are, are fairly reasonable objective people. Uh, And I'm guessing maybe that you've come to maybe a similar conclusion that I have that the story seems far fetched even at this point. Uh, let's see what everybody is saying. Um, uh, Marty says that would be crazy if it was, uh, Gilgo killer, but he's the hot topic right now. So anything to sensationalize the case, make poor people jump on. Yep. Yep. You write something about it. It gets a lot of clicks, no matter how outrageous. Hello, coffee. What's going on? Coffee. Good to see you. Um, uh marty a lot of stories are coming out about him and his family i think most of it are made for headlines. certainly that drives eyeballs it's certainly not objective but it certainly is subjective and sheree says you yeah, have a small um storm uh coming to south texas thank you sharon you are very generous thank you sharon for the super sticker uh super chat Mary, thoughts and prayers for any affected by the hurricanes. Yeah, weather in Ohio is mild, but I think about those who deal. Uh, You know, we had a couple, like I said, we have some ugly weather here. In fact, last night I went down to my car. Must have been 1030 at night or something. And it did really feel like a tropical storm was coming or going, uh, even though it, it was not that at all. But it really did have that feel to it. Uh, just being down at my car for like five minutes. And Deborah says 3,000 miles. Yeah, 3,000 miles from New York to Las Vegas. I've uh, driven from Pennsylvania to Las Vegas twice. Once when I moved there and then the second time when I went and got a car uh, from Pennsylvania. It's, I like to drive. Uh, and, I, and I suppose it would be fun if it was like a road trip with other people and everything else. Driving by yourself, no fun. Uh, people always link up cases and highways like that with lack of evidence. Definitely not always uh, accurate, right? Truly surely true, Mary. Patricia, Jesse Foster went missing on the same day my missing brother did March 20th. Patricia, I didn't even know that until I read that. Huh. That, uh, I suppose, I mean, we've covered like 300 some disappearances now. I suppose it does mean that we eventually get to a point where disappearances take place on the same days. Um, wow, Patricia, March 28th. Wow. I didn't realize that. Thank you for letting all of us know on that, Patricia. I have to admit that that uh, escaped me. I knew that. Um, Jesse went missing in March and I kind of knew it was later in March. I don't know if I could have picked out 28th though. So thank you for letting us know about that, Patricia. That's always going to be on my mind now, nine years earlier. Yes, Patricia, right. Okay, so that's those are my thoughts on Jesse Foster being connected to the Gilgo Killer. I just, it just doesn't, it's just not ringing true to me uh, at this point. It's going to take a lot uh, to get there, like I said, for me. Moving on, uh, I've already announced this, but I'm going to announce it again, that um, the next Found episode will be on the disappearance and then discovery of Kimberly Kessler. And... Of course, this is unique uh, to me because over the past, uh, once in – twenty was it 2017 or something? And then in uh, – when was it? Last year. Maybe not last year, but the year before, I talked to her mother again. I think I, sp- I spoke to her mother in 2018 and then spoke to her mother. Her mother called me out of the blue in 2021, I think it was, I think, maybe it was last year. So I get to include all of that in going over the disappearance and discovery of Kimberly Kessler, who eventually was charged and convicted for the murder of a woman over there in the Jacksonville area. Of course, Kimberly had been missing for like 14 years or something from Pennsylvania. And um, it was weird that I spoke to her mother on the phone. And then like three weeks later is when Kimberly killed this woman and of course popped up on everybody's radar. Nobody had heard anything from her, had not thought of her. There'd been no articles written on her. The only reason that, I was looking for her because at the time I was uh, working with the Trib in Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh, and we were looking to do a monthly, uh, uh, once a month coverage of disappearances that occurred in Western Pennsylvania. Well, Kimberly Kessler went missing from Butler, Pennsylvania, which is where kind of where my dad lives now, and so I was able to track down her mother with a phone number. And uh, to this day, it's it's easily one of the craziest, weirdest conversations that I've ever had, maybe with anyone, period. But certainly the weirdest one, uh, one of the weirdest – I've had a couple weird ones since uh, – one of the weirdest that uh, I've had doing this podcast, certainly. And I'll get more into that. Uh, in that found episode. But if you're on the live show, I've kind of talked about this before. Now, the funny thing is that then I had that number saved in my phone. One day, I'm just here at home in my condo and the phone rings. And I look down and I'm like, this can't be right. This cannot be right. And it was. And uh, this was Kimberly's mother calling me. And I'm not sure if she meant to do it or not. I got the feeling that she was going through her phone or something and saw my number and was wondering, who did I talk to with a Las Vegas um, number? What what is this? And so when I picked up, I'm like, hello. and uh, But that conversation, I will tell you, was much saner. She and I, in fact, uh, got along really well. This was already after her daughter had been convicted. And uh, we had a great conversation. I must have talked to her for like a half hour. So I'll go into way much more detail on that in this found episode. Now, you should know that back when her mother, when I did talk to her mother the first time, And then it came out weeks later. I want you to know that I did call law enforcement over there in the Jacksonville area, whatever county or whatever was responsible for uh, charging her and having her in custody. And I think I left a message or something saying, I just want you to know that I had a chance to talk to Kimberly Kessler's mother. And here's what she said. Nobody ever called me back. So... Just really weird. You just, like I said, you never know uh, what you're going to get into when you're doing work like this. You just never know. But that'll be the next Kimberly Kessler. This will, of course, be the first one, first found episode. And, of course, this is only for Patreon and YouTube members where I will be talking about a uh, person who was missing and then was found because she was a killer. So breaking new ground there. Um, Mary say, especially you, Ed, in crazy Florida. The question is, what's scarier, Ed, the weather or the neighbors? Well, Mary, uh, I have to admit these days I I don't have many neighbors. I live on this uh, eighth floor in this condo building. And rarely is there anybody else on this floor but me. These are all time, you know, they're owned. It's condos. These are not apartments. Where I live right here is a condo. It is owned by somebody. It's a couple who lives up in Ocala, I think. I think they're both doctors or something. But these these are all owned condos, and they may uh, rent them out or do whatever else. But really, this floor is usually vacant. Uh, The people over here to my right maybe three weeks a year is anybody in that condo over there. This one over to my left, much more common that it's rented. And uh, there was a couple that was in there for like six months. I think they were from Michigan. I actually met them at New Year's Eve party this past year. They were here for a while, but this one over here is empty right now. And then the one over on the far side um got totally was totally refurbished they stripped everything out of it and then there was somebody in there for a while but it's vacant now too so I really don't have any neighbors uh, right now Mary so I guess being that I don't have any neighbors I guess the weather is crazier here in Florida uh yeah the next found episode yeah thank you the Kessler case will be a great episode well I'll try to make it that more all right, moving on. Let's talk about this Netflix guy. And I want to thank Rockford for uh, letting me know about this story. I'm guessing I would have eventually found it, but it's always nice to me. when It's always nice when people are looking out for me and, and reading, finding uh, stories that – are uh, unique. Maybe we can learn something from them. And so, Rockford, thank you for letting me know about this story. Uh, haha, that's good. I was just kidding. Always crazy news on stories coming out of Florida, it seems. Well, you know, Mary, I am a Florida man, don't you know? Um, Fitching said it's hot in Bama. I bet it is. All right. A New York man who recently landed a job at Netflix in California right out of college disappeared after he was last seen getting into an Uber earlier this week. This would have been uh, the beginning of last week. Johannes Kidane, 22 years old, was captured on security camera, leaving his apartment building in downtown San Jose, so up in the San Francisco area, around 7.15 on Monday. This is once again last Monday. Before he stepped into a vehicle that bore an Uber sticker, his family told KTVU. Two young colleagues of his saw him and were able to talk to him, Kadani's brother said. He said he was heading to San Francisco to maybe meet a friend. The last footage I've seen of him was leaving his apartment and getting into a black Toyota Camry. Of course, this is how you should look at these things. First of all, he has a car, but he's using an Uber. Something to think about. Kadani had just moved to the Bay Area in July, and was in his, sec- in his second week at the streaming giant, where he worked as a software engineer. His cell phone, wallet, and backpack were found near the Golden Gate Bridge Welcome Center in San Francisco. This is also the area where Jackson Miller's car was eventually found, according to a missing persons poster shared by his by Johannes's brother. Kadani's phone location showed he was at the Golden Gate Bridge the majority of Monday night. Now, you should know something about the Golden Gate Bridge. It closes down, not the bridge itself driving across, but as far as being able to walk on it, it gets closed at a certain time. This has been going on for years. Why? Because there was a time when people were going out there in the middle of the night and jumping. So the bridge is closed to walk traffic at night. So, when it says the majority of Monday night, what exactly does that mean? Of course, just because his phone was there does not mean that this young man was there. Someone who was in San Rafael, who was on a commute saw a phone wallet sitting on this little small grassy hill, hill right next to the Welcome Center and coffee shop the brother said, 30 bucks in cash was in his wallet, ID cards, phone untouched. The backpack was found the next day closer to the bridge, and it contained two of his laptops and personal documents. So all this stuff is sitting out there in the public, and none of it gets stolen. Gadani, who graduated from Cornell in May, is described as 5'8", 150 pounds, and was last seen wearing gray sweatpants, a black hoodie, and black shoes. His distraught mother pleaded for her son's return. We want to take him home. I need my son. I need my son. Uh, he's a good man who has a bright future, very loving to his family. A group of Kadani's friends and relatives created a task force to search for him. Johannes was gone, has gone missing in San Francisco. This fundraiser is for covering travel expenses for his family as they search for him, the crowdfunding page said. Kadani's former college roommate says the Rochester native told a story about a suspicious Uber ride that took place just days before he disappeared. The Uber driver insisted, if it was an actual Uber driver, that instead of taking him to the location that he needed to be, he's like, oh, I'm going to take you to Oakland. It's much safer there. And he wouldn't just let Johannes go where he needed to go. So they took him to downtown Oakland. I guess he eventually got back to his apartment or wherever he lives, but that was pretty suspicious. Kadani allegedly texted Farmer during the trip saying he might be in trouble, and the doctor told him to cancel the extra pay. I got a sense he's taking me there for no good reason, Kadani said. When he got back to San Jose, Kadani said he was never going, to, in, going in Uber solo again in San Francisco. Of course, the problem is just days later, he did go Ubering solo again in San Francisco. So what to make of all of this? Um. Uh, I will tell you that this story seems just a little seems a little too packed, a little too tidy. To think that he went off the bridge, I mean, if he really, 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 really wanted people to know that he went off the bridge, then why didn't he just put all of his stuff out on the bridge? What's the point of leaving this stuff near the Welcome Center? Of course, we know the Golden Gate Bridge is very long. So him putting that at the Welcome Center is, you know, going to be on, of course, the land. And so it's going to be far away from where you would jump. So it just, uh, you know, it's a little too, 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 too tidy for me. And, uh, you know, this kind of reminds me of the, uh, what was her name? I'm going to look it up right now. We're going to look it up right now. What is her name? What is her name? Should have put it in, but it's just coming to me now. Or I would have, what is her name? Hate when I got to look things up like this. Holly White. Remember Holly White from Taos, New Mexico? Now, I will tell you in that one, I certainly do believe that she jumped off that bridge. Very sad. A lot of things going on with Holly at the time. But a lot of people, of course, thought, well, maybe somebody threw her off the bridge. Well, if you're going to throw somebody off the bridge, would you not then want to make it look like the person actually jumped off the bridge? And you'll remember there was a shoe that was found down in the Rio Grande down there, and they thought it could be Holly's, and it very well may be. And there was a thought out there, well, somebody put that shoe there to make it look like she jumped. Well, if you really want to make make it look like she jumped, just leave her shoes right up there at the top of that bridge. And if you really, really want to make it look like she jumped, um, leave her car out there too. And instead, her car was, of course, parked over in the lot. So this is kind of what comes to my mind when I think about this story and what I might think have happened. And something was going on here. And I don't think it had anything to do with foul play or anything else. My impression is that he was setting something up. Um, you know, he says he had this crazy Uber driving. We've talked about Uber before, Uber before, Bowman, of course. First one that comes to mind. Uh, maybe Sky Tossic as well. He says that he won't go on an Uber ride alone ever again, but then there's actually video of him days later going on an Uber. It seems to me he was setting something up. And we have to remember that there's a huge homeless population. They've got a lot of issues going on in San Francisco right now. Bunches and bunches and bunches of issues. But I have to admit, I don't think that this guy went off the bridge. I think there was something else going on here um it's just what i think if you really if you really really wanted to go out you know jump and if you really did that you go put your stuff out on the bridge but the reason he probably couldn't do that is because why well there' are a bunch of people out there and if he leaves his the stuff there, it just may be that somebody sees him leaving his stuff there and wants to try to return it for him. And then they're going to remember him, and they're going to remember that he walked off the bridge without taking his stuff, and that would ruin his plan. Whereas people who go out there to jump and actually jump, what do they care? It's very sad. I'm not trying to downplay people who eventually get that in their head, the only way you know, to be happy Uh, you know, the the best choice in life is to jump off a huge bridge like that. I'm not here to undermine that. But I'm guessing that this guy did not go off the bridge. Uh, I think that my guess is he already had a plan about what he was going to do well before he ever got to this job with Netflix. Why that is, I don't know i I don't know, of course, we know what was written about him. but as we've learned on Unfound, because we do take a lot of time to get to know the missing person, the her person who went missing for the disappearance, you know, how much, as you've noted over the past seven years, how much more do you find out about that missing person than you're ever going to learn in any news article out there? That's one of the reasons I do it that way. Um, in fact, to the point where we'll we 'll talk about the missing person and his or her family maybe for forty five fifty minutes before we ever get talking about the disappearance itself, because this stuff is important it 's I think it 's good from a moral point of view. you just don 't want to treat these people as just names on a page. you want to get to know them, what choices did they make, what kind of personality and everything and my guess is that if we were to get to you know Johannes. Uh, a little better, Charlotte. I'm talking about this uh, guy who was going to work for Netflix and uh, left his stuff near the the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, guy had a plan. Pretty convinced of it. Now, where he went and what he did and everything, I I just don't know. But really, if you want to commit suicide and he decided he was going to leave his stuff near the bridge anyway, why didn't he just drive there? Why take an Uber there or wherever, you know, who wherever the Uber took him? Why not just drive right there and then he wouldn't have to leave all of his stuff like sitting out there for everybody to see? And I realize sometimes you can't get in these people's heads But we also have to realize that although it might not make sense to us why people commit suicide, in their minds, they have a particular plan and they're going to carry it out. So in their mind, it's logical. So we have it so we can get inside their minds because they're acting in a logical way to kill themselves. And what I think I'm saying here is. This just doesn't seem like the decision somebody wanted to kill himself. This is not decisions a person who wanted to kill himself would make. My perception. Um, Let's see here. Rockford, with the Miller case in this one, I wonder if there's such a thing as a Golden Gate head fake. Using the bridge reputation to throw people off the trail. Not buying the first Uber story, by the way. Uh, Rockford, in fact, uh, I think this was before. I don't know if you're up to that episode yet. Uh, Have you gotten to the Jackson Miller episode yet, Rockford? What you're pointing out there is the exact reason that episode is called A Bridge Too Near. Of course, there's uh, a very famous movie, A Bridge Too Far. Well, that one was called A Bridge Too Near. Why? Because the bridge was so close to the last spot where Jackson's car was, everybody just dismissed it. Oh, yeah, he went off the bridge. Whereas I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that Jackson Miller did not go off the bridge. But it very well may be the reason he went there to try to make it look like that. I'm not sure Jackson was going through some things. But certainly from an investigator point of view, it does seem that they, they'd they say, oh, well, you know, the guy went missing. His stuff was found near the bridge. He went off. Oh, his car was found at the bridge. He went off the bridge. I don't think that you can automatically kind of make that kind of logical jump. It's just uh just not clear to me uh everything's hello legends well, hello legend to you everything Deborah. if I was going to jump, I wouldn't be bringing my stuff in, in, on the way i i that's like a very good point too deborah i I don't know. I, you know, I think that's a very good point. Charlotte, the stores are closing down in Uptown. I've I've read about that San Fran, uh, in San Francisco. I've read about that, Charlotte. So I think that this guy, uh, wherever he was originally from, uh, somewhere on the East Coast, he had a plan. Not sure what that plan was. Maybe he really didn't want to work for Netflix. Maybe it was a situation where uh, he had just been doing everything that his family wanted. He didn't have his own life, and they wanted him to work for Netflix. Not, uh, he didn't want to do that, and so he's going to go to California and kind of disappear under the streets of San Francisco. Why? Because in the news, all this homeless stuff and people living in hostels and everything else, he felt, well, maybe this is a way uh, for me to disappear. Uh, I'm very open to that uh, at this point, uh, but it very well may be tomorrow they find his body in San Francisco Bay or something. But right now, the way the story is told, there's nothing here for me to believe uh, that that he went off the bridge. Uh, Rockford says, yep, that's the Miller case, to which I referred, yeah, hey, uh, yeah, so many Millers out there. Yeah, notice how later coverage omitted the first Uber story. Media playing up bridge angle, or perhaps honoring things the family's wishes. You know, every I, I you know I haven't really noticed that Rockford. Um, uh, it very well, maybe they're keeping things out because of the family. Maybe they're just pressed for time. Maybe they're only allowed to write certain a uh, certain amount of words. Just hard to say. Uh, he did just started that new job a week prior. He had Patricia. He had moving on. This is kind of a similar story, but this time, instead of going to San Francisco, uh, we're going to go to where are we going? Hold on a second. Yeah, that's where we're going. We're going to go to Seattle and then to Los Angeles. So we're going to skip right over San Francisco. We're going to the West Coast, but we're going to go to Seattle first and then end up in L.A. So this is a a Los Angeles story. The search to find an, an attorney who vanished while on a road trip to Seattle has led authorities to Southern California. And if you don't know, Seattle and Southern California are nowhere near each other. Family and friends have been desperately searching for Jared Shadid, an immigration attorney from the East Coast. He was last known to be staying at a short-term rental in Seattle's Capitol Hill area. Fox 11 exclusively obtained surveillance. Once again, we're talking about surveillance video from his family that shows him checking into an Airbnb rented in Seattle on July 30th. So we have a video of that other guy getting into an Uber and now this guy in an Airbnb in Seattle. In another video, it shows him bringing in his luggage, computer, and phone before he leaves moments later. That's the last time he was seen. An official said he left all of his belongings behind. I guess that means his phone too. On Thursday, August 17th, so approximately 18 days after that, his Volkswagen SUV was found in Los Angeles in the Atwater Village neighborhood where investigators believe it was left on or around August 4th. So just to go through this timeline again, uh, a video saw him checking into an Airbnb on July 30th, and investigators believe that this SUV, this Volkswagen SUV, I I think it's called a Touareg or something like that, had been in LA since August 4th, so like five, six days later. The vehicle even has a parking ticket on the windshield since it hasn't been moved in days. Now, there's also a note on the vehicle's windshield written by his friends that says in part, if you see this, please know that your friends miss you and we love you. Shadid's friends were in the L.A. area Thursday, so this past Thursday, with Los Angeles Police Department investigators after they were informed by a private private detective his vehicle was parked there. His family said Shadid is a graduate of Duke University and had been living his dream in D.C. working as an immigration attorney. Recently, they said the 27-year-old quit his job and took off on a road trip that included visiting L.A. and driving up the coast to Seattle. This Does this not sound like the story I just read about this guy going by himself to San Francisco? We're here to support him find him, and we're willing to do everything that we can make sure that he's okay, said his college friend, Ian Norbramwell. Concern continues to grow over his well-being, and it's unknown if it was Shadid who left the vehicle in Atwater Village, and I don't know what kind of a neighborhood this is. His loved ones are hoping the LAPD will take over the investigation, who has been working with Seattle PD. The family told Fox 11 Seattle authorities have yet to run Shadid's financial records. Uber account, and other ways that could help find him. So what to think of this? So this guy, once again, drives the whole way across the country. He's an attorney, quits his dream, quote, quote unquote, dream job. Of course, that's just everybody's perception. Who knows what this guy was thinking about his job in his own mind. And he decides to go to Seattle, of all places. And later his car ends up in L.A. Well, as I have it written in my notes, what are the odds that a guy who quit his job, who moved to L.A., who moved to Seattle from D.C., then gets carjacked and the car ends up in L.A.? That seems quite unlikely. I'm not saying the cars don't get stolen from Seattle and end up in L.A., that certainly happens. But what are the odds that somebody just moved there, this car gets taken with him in it, and something happens that the car ends up in L.A.? And we have to remember, it ended up in L.A., but it didn't end up at a chop shop. It was just parked on the street somewhere. This also seems to me, just like the San Francisco story, this gives the impression that, This was all planned beforehand. Now, I guess the big difference is technically this immigration guy didn't have a job. It wasn't like, um, you know, he went out there for a job and then all of a sudden he goes missing. This guy, once again, they're adults. I guess they can do what they want to do. But in both of these situations, these guys are missing. They've left. All of their possessions behind, including their vehicles, which, as much as we may say we love our phones and everything, um, you know, when a vehicle gets left behind, that always catches uh, a lot of attention, especially if the vehicles still have value and everything. So, I have to believe that Jared uh, Shadid. I'm sorry, uh, I'm. I have to believe that Shadid. Parked his own car when they found it. Uh, You know, it's what would we think? Why would I think differently about this if he had only driven to another city and, and being in D.C. goes to Baltimore? And then I'd be thinking, well, did he go to meet somebody? I don't know what the sexual orientation of him or this other guys. I have no idea. don't care. But whatever it is, could they have been going to meet a man? Could they have been going to meet a woman? Did they get catfished? Could this have happened? Could that have happened? Certainly all possible. But I don't think so. It it stretches my imagination that this guy went to meet somebody in Seattle and got catfished and the car ends up in L.A. We have to remember uh, that a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff that we don't know about. Uh, You know, whether it's young men, young women, or people of any age. A lot of people are going through depression and mental health issues, and they don't want to talk about it. And I'm open to that in both of these particular stories. It's very sad. I'm hoping that both of these guys are still alive. But when you start making decisions like this, we know that this is not the way to live a long, healthy life. But in both situations, I'm open to the idea that the reason they did this is they're trying to get away from their families. Who knows what's going on there? Um, maybe they wanted to change their lives and they didn't think that their families would go along with it. So they're just, uh, cutting off all contact and this is the way to do it. I guess what we also might say about this is that although I think there maybe are a couple bridges in LA where you could jump, uh, to your death, uh, I'm guessing that's not what happened neither of these and, and, and certainly did not happen in the second one with this uh guy uh from Seattle just it just seems to me is this a combination of mental health issues, drug issues, mania issues you know I guess given you know and we, I guess we can't rule this out. Um, and is it possible that these two guys because we have to realize something the stories are kind of similar and they kind of take place in the same time frame did Shahid and Johannes somehow know each other it would at least be something interesting to check into um just to see once again because the stories do seem similar at least uh both us you know at least both of them end in california you know i just want to I want to know what uh all of you are thinking about either of these we've seen similar reactions to high pressure job situations uh, disappeared. TV show had the Arkansas accountant who had enough and ended up in the mountains. Vehicle left at inn on top of mountain. I forget that one. Rockford, Marty, exactly. Rockford. Sometimes dream jobs end up being nightmares. Uh, that's John Glasgow. Oh, two thousand five. Kathy knows what it is. Yeah, Kathy should have known you'd come through with that. Rockford says Kathy. All of his actions deliberate. All of his work stuff in backseat of car. Clear what he did. Found his remains. Pettit Gene, where he parked in 2015, I believe. So very interesting. I'll try to keep uh, an eye on both of these stories. Of course, they are fairly new. Maybe more information will come out about both of these guys. If these disappearances uh, could continue, you know, continue to be unsolved you know, for a significant amount of time. But I'm wondering, once again, for all of you in the chat tonight, what are you all thinking about uh, the disappearance of this guy, Johannes Kadane from San Francisco and of, what's the other guy's name? Jared Shaheed. Shadid, who was in Seattle, but his car ended up in L.A. Um, So once again, anybody has any opinion on those, please post them. Moving on, let's go back to some unfound. uh, Let's just get to the Donnie Atkins poll. Of course, Donnie Atkins was the disappearance from this past Friday. His sister, Carmen, was the guest. I thought she did a fantastic job. It was a pleasure talking to her. And, of course, I post a poll in the discussion group on Saturday mornings. I think I was a little late on this one, though, for some reason. And uh, so I just try to get a feel for what all of you are thinking. And we didn't have a lot of uh, partakers in the discussion group poll this particular week. I will tell you that uh, the most popular answer was that Christy and her and or her ex uh, was the most popular choice regarding the cause of Donnie's disappearance. But like I said, there were so few responses that I don't know if we really can go take anything away from that. But in the Think Tank, once again, the Think Tank is a, uh, is a little group that you have to be on Patreon, you have to be a premium Patreon member to uh, be a part of the Think Tank on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. Patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast And in the Think Tank, Pretty much everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody, decided that Donnie Atkins walked off. Very well could be that he committed suicide. Could, very could well be that he had alcohol poisoning, being that he didn't have a spleen. Very could be that he was on something other than alcohol and he, uh, he stumbled off somewhere. Uh, but that was the easily the most popular idea in the think tank after we talked about it for like an hour and 15 minutes, analyzing different aspects of, uh, you know, of his case. And then for me, for the blog that I write at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Podcast, uh, I also decided that Donnie had walked off, that nobody else was involved in his disappearance, and there was nobody uh, covering it up. Donnie just had a lot going on. Uh, You know, he hadn't been out of jail that long. He was obviously distraught about the situation with Christy. If you looked at those text messages that I posted, you could see how little by little uh, they got sloppier and sloppier, more incomprehensible, more incomprehensible. And those are just a portion of what I showed you. I mean, uh, Carmen sent me quite a few. But I just wanted to give you at least an idea about what we were talking about uh, in the interview because really none of it really helps us figure out what happened in the disappearance. I just wanted to show you it's just a way to show Donnie's mindset and also to illustrate like the final part of the conversation and just how it ended like that. But Donnie had a lot going on. So then I, I as I do the way I do things, I then start trying to figure out we had a lot going on. What are the odds that actually somebody else killed him? You know, somebody killed him or caused this disappearance. It seems unlikely. But something we uh, really interesting part of the think tank, and this is how I conduct things uh, in, the, in the think tank, is we had a, a conversation. Well, if he we walked off, then why didn't anybody see him? Why didn't anybody come forward to see him? Why, 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 why? Because we have to remember, if we're to believe Rob Atkins, no relation to Donnie Atkins, that Donnie left when it was daylight out, and it was a Sunday, so meaning uh, it's not necessarily a work day. Not a work day for most people anyway. Anyway, so how is it that Donnie could just walk out the front door of this place? Walk somewhere in broad daylight and nobody see him. We talked about that. And I know on the surface it seems very, very unlikely. But the more we talked about it, the more I think we all talked ourselves into the idea that this might be more probable than the public realizes. Well, why? I think an important part is that. Donnie was in a neighborhood that wasn't his own. It's an important part. Instead of if he had been in his neighborhood, then everybody knows him and they would say, hey, there's Donnie. There's Donnie. Look, there's Donnie. I saw Donnie. I saw Donnie. Whereas being that he wasn't in his neighborhood, that makes it maybe more likely, of course, way more likely that nobody's going to know him, meaning then they're not going to pay as much attention to him. The next thing is that, dare I say it, it doesn't seem there's like anything outstandingly unique about the way Donnie Atkins looked. You know, he wasn't seven feet tall. He wasn't four feet tall. He didn't have green hair. You know, he had all his limbs. He wasn't missing an arm like the drummer from Def Leppard. There's really nothing that somebody might remember about him. Whereas even for me, and I've, I've actually stated this before, you know, what is it about me and this long hair? And what, what is one of the things that I've said? Well, being that I'm the average height of a guy, which is five, nine, I'm the average weight of a guy around my age, which is like 175 pounds or so. Uh, being that I'm a white guy, I mean, it, I don't get more average than that, but with, and I, and I will tell you when I have short hair, I look like every other white guy out there. But of course the long hair, of course, most men, at least these days don't have long hair, especially if they're 53. (laughs) But that then would might make me, if I'm walking along the street somewhere, that might make me stand out just because of the hair alone. Because otherwise, if I have short hair, I'm like invisible. Trust me, I've had it both ways. I know. So we have to think about Donnie maybe in those terms. Uh, Another thing about Donnie, uh, given once again going to like that uniqueness part, is that he was wearing nice clothes. So once again, that is going to, I think, cause people to pay less attention. If he was walking out there naked, that would be different. If he was walking out there in a Speedo, that would be different. If he was walking out there in a tuxedo, that would be different. But given that he was allegedly wearing nice clothes, which could mean anything, but it certainly could have just meant clean, sh- clean pants and clean shirt could make him just kind of fade into the background. So it was, it was, uh, I, like I said, a uh, very, very interesting conversation to me. And I think that's the type of thinking that can then be taken to other disappearances. You know, one of the common ones, well, this person walked off. Why wasn't he seen? Well, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, it was the middle of the night. Or we really don't think she or he walked off at all. Or, well, you know, the person walked off, but you know what? There's this huge forest in the backyard. It depends. But Before those situations where it's daylight and it's in a city and the person, man or woman, We would say is pretty average and, you know, average height, average weight, average clothes, average hair color, average skin, on and on and on. We as the rest of us, the public, just don't pay attention. We also can't forget something else, maybe almost the most important thing. A lot of these people were not even asked about Donnie's disappearance until a week later. Nobody remembered. Nobody knew that he was missing for a week. So that also really factors in. So, so if you think that he walked off, these are probably the reasons, maybe, maybe consciously or subconsciously, that you know you should, you know, maybe that's what's going on in your mind. And for those of you who think otherwise, I'm not here to argue with you. Uh, but it's something to consider. If you're automatically thinking, well, I rule out the walking off. Uh, theory simply because somebody would have shown him well, seen him. Well, yes, he would have been seen, but that doesn't mean he would be remembered, which is really what we're talking about in disappearances. It's not, uh, although we generically use the word, did anybody see the person? Really, what we're asking is, did anybody remember the person? I think that might even be more accurate and might even use that. Uh, From now on, just because I made that up right on the spot. Um, What's everybody um, saying here? Uh, Marty says, Think Tank is always a blast. There you heard it first from Marty. All of you should be in the Think Tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Rockford also bragging about the Pod, uh, the Think Tank. Uh, Charlotte, I don't know enough about them to have an opinion yet. All right, Charlotte. That's my take too. as far as walking off. Deborah, okay. Patricia says, definitely don't think he walked off. Why leave your wallet with money in it? I think his friend Rob knew more. Totally possible. Uh, Patricia, just... Uh, the only thing I would add to that is it just doesn't seem that Rob was in the right... Or Donnie was in the right state of mind. Maybe he really didn't know what he was doing. Rockford, I think he was probably this close from killing himself on at least several prior occasions, all right? This just happened to be the time, all right? I think there's no doubt. He's still feeling the effects of the night before once he left in the morning. It's just where would he be headed? Just don't know. Uh, well, I've put out in the uh, think tank, Marty, maybe he was trying to make it to Christie's house. He didn't make it. And... Uh, Coffee says, "I keep thinking of my neighbor walking his dog. I don't remember what day I saw him last." Coffee, very good example. Thank you for bringing it up, Patricia. I mean, he was the last person to see him, on all this stuff—the truck, the clothes, backpack—was with Rob. Patricia, I can't argue with you. Certainly, you're right. You're right, and I think, uh, by the way, I, I think it's uh, spectacular. Patricia, obviously, recent guest for the disappearance of her of, of her uh, brother Joel. We, of course, feel for Patricia. We're, of course, hoping that Joel is found alive uh, tomorrow. But Patricia, so fantastic that you're listening to these episodes and joining us in this chat. Thank you for doing that. Marty, I think there has to be a reason the police arrested and charged that group of people. There has to be something substantial they are not telling the public. Well, if it was substantial, you'd think that they would have uh, gone through with the whole thing, Marty. I, I, I actually think the exact opposite. I think they were just grass mint straws. And Rob's contained two of his five people who were arrested. That's true, Patricia. Patricia knows her facts on uh, Donnie's disappearance. Kathy, for some of us, our living quarters are at the back of the house. We don't see anyone walking past us. Another good reason he might not have been seen. Um... Very good point to make about not being a regular person in neighborhood. People wouldn't notice as much. Kind of risky to venture off into different areas. Yep. Coffee says, seriously, I wouldn't remember. Coffee, I, I think most people are with you. We don't remember. Maybe Marty uh, Rockford talking back and forth with Marty. Hair is a dead giveaway uh, to me. Very often notice people's hair. Exactamundo. Hey, Fonzie is in the chat, Coffee. I wonder if they fingerprinted his truck. Pra, uh, Patricia, I can just about say, I don't. Did that come up in any conversation with Carmen? I really don't remember. Uh, but you can almost guarantee that's a big time no, Patricia. Yes, yeah, seeing, remembering, knowing are all totally different. You could see a stranger not even truly notice. them. it's true, Mary. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So Rockford and uh, Marty going back and forth there. Okay. So that's the disappearance of Donnie Atkins. Uh, if you'd like to read what I, more, more, more in depth regarding Donnie's disappearance, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. All right. Next, we've got about a half hour to go. Um, I'm going to talk about both of these uh, solved disappearances way more. On Friday, being that we're doing update episode number 15. But just within the last week, two of uh, Unfound Now's disappearances, uh, well, one has been surely totally resolved, and the other one is just more resolved. First of all, Christopher Miller, uh, that was a disappearance that took place uh, last winter. You might remember this happened in Wisconsin. Christopher Miller was in a car. I don't know if he was weaving all over the road or whatever, but police tried to pull him over. There was a chase. They actually got it on video. Chris pulls over to the side of the road, takes off, and uh, gets away. And the police decided to not pursue him because he ran into this field. And uh, they didn't know if he had a gun or whatever else. They were afraid of just running out into this field where he would be able to hide. They wouldn't be able to see him, but he might be able to see them. And so the police decided not to give chase. With that point, Christopher Miller went missing and his family has been out there in Wisconsin. um, And there is a video I'm sure you can still find it on YouTube or wherever of like the badge cam or the dash cam or whatever caught him running off. And uh, his family, of course, very suspicious about all of this. You know, are the police telling the truth? Why wouldn't they run after him? we sure there wasn't a cover up in all this. And if you go back and listen or watch that Unfound Now episode, you, you'll notice that I pretty much dismissed all of that. Well, Christopher Miller has been found. Very sadly, he was found deceased. He was found in an abandoned house five miles away from where the chase started. Um, Will they do an autopsy? Uh, I'm guessing so. Will we ever find out what the results of that are? I don't know. But being that it was five miles away, it's winter. You know, um, I'm going to say there was no foul play here. Here, I'm going to guess that he died due to exposure. I might even be open to the idea that uh, he was running and hurt himself somehow and managed to make it to this house. And that's where he died. Of course, some of you maybe remember the disappearance of Daniel Villarreal, kind of the same thing. Uh, wrecks the car, runs off, found in, I guess you could call it an abandoned outhouse in the Glendale or Phoenix area, but so I I have to admit, I'm not surprised by uh, this disappearing all, but in the update episode, I'm going to go back through, I'm going to read articles that were written at the time, and then articles that are written now, um, go much more in depth on that, the other one that has been resolved more, it's not totally resolved, far from it, but the bodies of Dwayne Selby and Glenda Parton have been found. Um, this one goes back to I think last summer, and you should know that Dwayne Dwayne Selby and Glenda Parton are mother and our mother and son. And what happened was Dwayne Selby Dwayne and Glenda knew this guy Jack Grimes. They were in some sort of horse business or something together. All three of them go missing all at about the same time. Jack's remains are found and he was murdered, but Dwayne and Glenda were still missing. And the story was that uh, Dwayne went missing first and Glenda was wondering what happened to her son. She goes looking for him. She goes missing too. What happened, according to a recent news story, is that there was somebody called in a tip on where to look for Dwayne and Glenda, and authorities went to that spot and found their bodies. And, in fact, they weren't really that far away from where Jack Grimes was originally found. And as it says in this article, all three of these people were murdered. So something's going on. Um... And even back at the time uh, when I did that unfounded episode, like I said, I think it was last summer, um, there is a belief out there that it's all had something to do with horse dealing and buying and selling horses, something like that, uh, because that's how these three were all connected. Of course, Dwayne and Glenda are mother and son. But they were all involved in this horse business, and then all three of these people go missing. Jack is found murdered, and then these two are murdered. Could be somebody who was getting screwed on a horse deal or something. I will uh, go back uh, for the update episode this Friday. I will uh, read some articles originally written at the time uh, when they went missing, and then I'll read the most recent news story about how these two were found. I'm also probably going to do a little checking on web sleuths. If I can get any, what we might call local flavor, uh, on these stories. So those are two unfound now episodes. Uh, one that has been, in my opinion, totally resolved. And one that is a little closer to totally being resolved because now they have to go out and find who murdered these people. So, uh, there you go. um, see uh the mundo people could see and not remember exacto mundo <laughs> patricia I, I think that call from that teacher is strange it certainly is patricia uh i can see why you might think that that is strange i have to tell you that uh you cover enough disappearances that kind of thing is fairly common people who seemingly are, are, are surely not connected to the disappearance at all, just making stuff up fairly common. I wouldn't say every disappearance. I wouldn't even say 50% of disappearance have that, but it's to the point now where when I hear a story like that, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, I We talk about it because all of you get to judge for yourselves what you think of it. Me... Uh, it, it, it really does not change my idea much. Deborah Bloom Rogers, well, how are you to get into Think Tank? You have to be a Patreon member, Deborah, at the premium level, twelve dollars a month or above to get into the think tank that takes place on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. So patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. hmm Patricia says, I haven't been able to access the think tanks or the blogs. Uh for some reason. Well, to get into the think tank, Patricia, you have to be a premium Patreon member. That's $12 a month. All right. Not for everybody. Uh there's reasons that, that the cost is that. Um, but as far as the blogs, once again, it's patreon.com forward slash unfound you have to be a member there, and that is at least at $2 a month. It certainly could be Rockford. Okay, there's Marty and Rockford talking back and forth. Hello, Deborah. Christopher Miller's case is fishy from the start. <clears throat> it's full. Uh, Christopher Miller's case is fishy from the start. It's full of out-and-out prejudice. All right, so Deborah taking uh, a different attitude toward it. And, uh, Deborah, does that mean that you think there could be some foul play going on here? If that's, that's fine. I'm not here to argue with you. I personally don't think that, but if that's the way it strikes you, okay. Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm not saying, uh, the cops are angels. Uh, but I think what I'm saying is I think we've seen enough of these types of disappearances where statistically it's usually just somebody running off and, um, disappearing or dying all on his or her own. Uh, moving on. Right now, I don't know how much I can say about this, but there's something going on with uh, the Nicholas Masucci disappearance. Of course, this is going way back to 1974. Frankly, I think it's much ado about nothing. And, uh, once again, it has to do with a bunch of divers. and uh, this seems more like a reality show than anything else. Of course. Um, you know, maybe some of you don't remember the Nicholas Masucci um, disappearance. Nicholas was kind of on the outskirts of the mob back there in the early 1970s in New Jersey and New York. And he said he was going to meet somebody. never came back. His car was eventually found in New York City. He's never been seen again. His daughter, Fran, uh, was the guest. And you should know my assistant, Eric, uh, has worked, continued to work with Fran over the last few years, uh, kind of behind the scenes. Well, now something's come up. There's been a car that's been allegedly found in a river in New York City. I don't know if it's the East River or the Hudson River. And there's some guy who says he used to be an informant for the NYPD and FBI or whatever. And there's a YouTube channel out there with guys. They're diving down there. And this guy's saying that I think, you know, this could be it and everything. I have to tell you, I doubt all of it. But um, that's really all that I want to say about it. Uh write this. I'm doubtful. I think uh, that the source on all of this is dubious. I think this is a guy who just loves the attention. You know, all we have is his word on all of this, and uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out why. You know, <clears throat> this was uh, Nicholas Masucci in, 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 in his car. Allegedly, bones were found in the car. I don't know, but if you're going to get rid of a guy, why not just put him in his own car? And put it into the river. Why put him in somebody else's car? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But. So there's something going on there. I don't know. Even if on Friday. I'll be able to say more than I'm saying right here. For the update episode. But just so you know. Um. Maybe just to give you. Maybe to give you one more thing on this. Maybe if you can do a YouTube search for a guy's name is Kevin Mayer, M-A-H-E-R. If you want to do a search once again after this live show is done, by the way. But if you want to do a YouTube search for Kevin Mayer, mm, you're going to run into some of that. It just feels like a big old, big bad reality show to me. But uh, Shree, thank you for posting to Nicholas Masucci's um, episode. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Patricia, Glenda, Dwayne, and were all partners together in a horse breeding business. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Uh, I've often wondered what happened to Nicholas. Well, if, um, you remember Charlotte, uh, if you've, li- you know, I know it's been a long time. Fran was on unfound way back and I think 2017 or maybe 2018, 2018, 2018, that, She is under the belief, actually, that her brother caused their father's disappearance. I think you could read between the lines on that. I think she's still fairly open-minded, but the way I remember it is that she really, really, really believed that her own brother had something to do with their father's disappearance. So take that for what it's worth. And Deborah's saying, hell yeah. Uh, all right, so Deborah's thinking in Christopher Miller's that there was some uh, police corruption and malfeasance uh, going on there. All right, Deborah. okie-dokie. Um, anything else regarding Unfound? Um, going to be changing up the How to Podcast Better Than Anyone uh, course a little bit. I'm going to be adding some additional chapters and uh, because there might be just a couple little more things that I want to add. Of course, I uh, had a discussion with uh, my assistant, Sheree, and Eric. Um, it must have been back in July about this. And then I had a one-on-one because I kind of gave Eric uh, a, pers- a particular assignment. And when he and I had a one-on-one conversation, going to be adding some things to it, and then I'll start uh, remarketing it again. You should know also, uh, one more also, another unfound piece of news. I sent my second letter to Steve Pankey today, so uh, we shall see if he responds again. And uh, I kind of, of course, I read his first letter on the show last week. And uh, I did kind of respond to those things that he said. I have to admit, at least on a couple of the points, I think probably I will insult him. But uh, all of you know by this time that uh, Ed Denzel does not suffer fools kindly. And um, as you heard, there were a couple of things that he wrote in that – uh, note that letter back to me that, I mean, Steve, really, it's, are we still doing this? I mean, really? So that's how I acted. And, I'm, and I don't feel bad about it. Um, uh, as I told him that, you know, he does have my sympathy because I do not believe that the prosecution, um, Proved he was guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think it left open to the idea that several people had an opportunity to kill Janelle. But other than that, I I told him I I don't – other than that, I don't have much sympathy for him. I just don't, and I told him that. So, All right, I want to uh, cover one more – at least one more story, and then we'll get to – of course, I've already talked about it, but this Friday's episode. The missing doctor, and once again, I have to thank Rockford for um, emailing me this story a few days ago. A Connecticut doctor was reportedly kidnapped from the same troubled New York City music venue where two concert goers recently disappeared and were later found dead. The doctor, who hasn't been identified, was abducted July 21st from the Brooklyn Mirage and forced to take his captor on a spending spree in the Bronx. According to the police report, details of the crime against the ter- 32-year-old Connecticut physician um, emerged after the deaths of Gold Sachsman, Goldman Sachs analyst John Castick and psychologist Carl Clemente when they made headlines. Castick went missing on July 29th after attending a concert at the Mammoth venue in an industrial section of Brooklyn. And Clemente vanished on June 11th after he was turned away at the door. Both men were found floating in nearby Newtown Creek days after they disappeared. The city's medical examiner hasn't released an official cause of death for either man. The doctor told police that his terrifying ordeal unfolded after he attended a show with friends at the Brooklyn Mirage. He climbed into a cab and asked for a ride to his car, which was parked several blocks away. Uh, but another man, club promoter Anthony Benjamin, 43 years old, was already in the back seat. The driver reportedly told took both men to an after party in Manhattan. Benjamin identified himself as uh, identified himself as Tony G's, uh, not exactly the most creative nickname I've ever heard, and told the doctor he was the party's promoter as he gestured to a gun in his waistband. After leaving the after party, they took a lift back to Brooklyn and got into the doctor's car. Benjamin allegedly ordered him to drive to the Bronx as he bragged about putting putting people in body bags and letting bullets fly. At one point, he threatened to kill his companion before breaking into a chuckle. The physician was taken to an ATM and instructed to withdraw $20,000 in cash, police said. But he'd only take out 1000 Benjamin then handed out the bills to his friends in the neighborhood. The physician said he was forced to take his new companion a, on a spending spree, hitting Foot Locker, a barber shop, and a strip club. The doctor, who was on call for the weekend, kept trying to leave, but Benjamin wouldn't let him go. I'm sorry, Mom, I'm laughing. A July 23rd call from Norwalk hospital fit paved the way for the physician's escape. He told Benjamin a patient had an emergency and that he needed to get there immediately. According to police, Benjamin couldn't operate the car's stick shift. So he called a friend, Steve Daly to drive them to the ER, which is about 35 miles Northeast of the Bronx. (laughs) The moment the doctor entered the hospital, he reported the alleged kidnapping to security. Benjamin Daly were arrested in the parking garage on second degree kidnapping with a firearm and other charges. Both were released without bail. After the deaths of Castic and Clemente, local residents and members of the live music scene have urged local politicians to crack down on illegal cabs and improve safety, safety in the neighborhood. Uh, as you could probably tell, uh, You know, I I don't need to be rude or lack of sympathy or anything, but I don't believe any of this for a second. I don't believe any of this for a second. I mean, really. So this Benjamin guy, Tony G's, he comes up with this plan to kidnap this guy, take his money And then really decided then that the guy was just going to be allowed to go back to his job. And Tony G's thought that he was going to get away with this. That the doctor would just go into the emergency room, start doing his work, and never tell anybody what had gone on for the past two days. Really? Um, You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of... Um the story it was of a canadian who'd come down to new hampshire or hampshire to ski or something and this guy went missing and then all of a sudden like a couple of days later he calls his family from california do you remember that story? We're, of course, we're never going to know who this person was, ever. Ticks you off, doesn't it? We're never going to know who this person was. But do all of you remember that that story? And the guy, you know, he called his family. I don't know what happened. I woke up and all the boom, I was here in California. And, you know, and um, of course, I didn't believe that story either. Of course, I believed he was in California. I believe that. But saying he didn't know I got there and all this stuff, I mean, come on, man. And as I have written in my notes here, at least going back to the story uh, from New York City, what? The guy couldn't run off while Tony G's was in the barber chair? In the bar, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, Tony G's, you got to pay for my uh, haircut. So we're going to go over to this barbershop I know. And I need to get a haircut and you're going to pay for it. And so Tony G is sitting there in the chair. You know, he got the little sheet over him. So none of the hair gets on his nice clothes or anything. And at no point, while the barber's over Tony G with the snippers or the shave or anything, did this doctor think about running off. I mean, really? Really? You know, and they go to Foot Locker, what? He couldn't tell somebody there, you know, you know, slip you – know, you know, maybe I'm just different. Uh, I think about these things. Uh, maybe because of the work that I do and being that we do sometimes name names on Unfound, and surely we know that there are a lot of uh, people that we've talked about on Unfound who are suspects in these disappearances who are surely murders, murderers. I realize that, you know, and I get asked once in a while, you know, don't you worry. You know, these are the types of things that I think about. Now, I'm not saying one of these days I couldn't get surprised. But. You know, when I go to disc golf tournaments and things. uh, (laughs) You know, I try to be aware of my surroundings. I, I try to be. You know, cognizant. Does anybody seem to be hanging around for no reason? Well, you know, these are because this is how these things start. You know how mass shooting starts and everything is because. What do we say at the end of this live show every Monday night? Keep your heads on swivels. And so, I have to admit that I've entertained the idea. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? Maybe it's just because of what I've been doing for the last seven years. And because, although I wouldn't say I've gotten death threats, I would say that I've certainly gotten threats. So, when I think about this guy, and you hear that they went to a, a foot locker, you know, and, and all these things, and they went to a club, and went over here, went over there. This guy never had any chance to run off. And, you know, I know, well, he had a gun and everything. I, I, It seems unlikely. It just. Now, the big deal here is now, what would what should we expect? What we should expect is if the doctor, of course, I, I, you know, and once again, one of the other reasons that I question this story is that in it, it says this this Benjamin guy tried to get this doctor to take twenty thousand dollars out of the ATM. Doesn't everybody know you just can't go up to an ATM and take $20,000 out? Does everybody not know that? You would think. This also tells me that this entire story is crap. But here's the thing. This is kind of like uh, going back to like Sherry Papini. What got Sherry Papini in big trouble? It w- it, uh, yeah, part of it was she lied about the whole thing. But what really, really got her in trouble? When she took that money from the state of California, that because that ends up being fraud and that's big time trouble. That's the reason you know she would have gotten in trouble with these, but had she not taken that money, she still would have gotten in some trouble, but not as much. As soon as she knowing took that money, knowing she was lying, big trouble. It could be the same way for this doctor. If anything of this night was charged on his credit card, and he tries to go get that refunded because it, these charges, these purchases were made under duress. If he tries to go back and get that money or get those charges taken off his card, and it's proven that he made those purchases willingly, he's going, to be in, he's going to be in bigger trouble than these other guys are, or at least the same. And I hope he realizes it. So I wonder if he's going to take that risk because I, like I said, I don't believe any of this. I believe these guys were together, but I I'm, ha- I happen to believe the doctor was there willingly. And being that we don't hear anything about kids, wife, or anything else, I'm inclined to believe that he was a single guy, which makes this even more likely that this was all voluntary. Ben, They might have hooked up and Benjamin said, Hey, let me take you here. By like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we're gonna meet some strippers. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do some ecstasy, and yeah, let's do it. And then two days later, he has to go back to his job, and he has to come for you know excuse or something. Now, uh, you know, we also have to think about the venue. It certainly is something that these two other guys disappeared from there and were found deceased. It's something. But once again, that doesn't really faze me at all. I'm sure a lot of people are going to that venue. Now, if it's the local Starbucks where three people have gone and two of them died and the other one got kidnapped, that's different. But if it's a music venue, people are there all the time, thousands of people or anything, this just doesn't strike me as being that unusual. And then on top of the fact we know drugs and alcohol and everything, it even becomes, um, you know, even more unsurprising to me. You know, you know, as I try to remind myself, like when I go to see concerts, I remi- I try to remind myself, it's not like other people going to see concerts. As you know, I don't drink. Period. Period. I don't do drugs. I'm not 420 friendly. None of that. Zero. And I remember that when I'm going to concerts because I realize that you know what, most people are going to be drinking. They are going to be doing this and doing that. So you have to tread lightly. You're the sober person. <laughs> Remember that, Ed. You're the sober person. Watch yourself. Where's all these people? Um, they shouldn't, surely none of them were sober. And so, when you do that, anything can happen. You're putting your life, your life, in somebody else's hands. And good luck with that. You know, or you're putting your life in your own hands, but your hands are shaky, and they're high, and they're drunk and everything else. So let me see what everybody's saying, and then... um, uh, Rockford says, regarding Steve Pankey, I'm betting he responds not exactly a full dance card these days. Well, uh, probably will. I'm just wondering what the tone will be. Uh, Puma also thinks that Chris Miller is foul play. Interesting. Puma Jane, these tapes of the cop calling him except of the rolling around in the grass the caller called it in say it was a hoax didn't sound that way to me okay a foot locker a barbershop and a strip club in one night i just got nostalgic for my fraternity days for some reason look at you uh, he's here all week uh everybody uh in all seriousness is not buying the good doctor's story for one minute he was loaded and was good and into adventure yeah something is definitely not clicking with story patricia says uh, I think Patricia's leaving for the night. Uh, Deborah good night. All oh, Deborah's getting out of here. I keep her head. All right. So we're almost done here. So we've got two minutes to go. All right. So let's, so there's that story. You want to check it out? Uh, just do a search for New York city doctor who got kidnapped. Uh, this Friday, as I've already mentioned, we are doing update episode number 15. And it seems like yesterday that Sheree, uh, recommended, um, That I do, I think Sheree's out for the night, uh, that that I um, do this update episode. It seems like yesterday. (laughs) And now we're on number 15 coming up here to the end. of, Of course, we do it. If you're all new to this, I do an update episode at the end of April, the end of August, the end of December. April, August, December. April, August, December. April, August, December. And that's been for a few years now. And that's how we got to update episode number 15. Really do not have a a ton to talk about. I think that uh, in April, I had 29 different disappearances to talk about. This month, it's only 20, unfortunately. Uh, So you can anticipate that the episode is going to be a little shorter. However, given that there are fewer disappearances to talk about, I may spend a little more on them than I usually do, especially with these couple of unfounded now ones, especially considering it seems some people in the audience think that Christopher Miller was murdered or some sort of foul play. So uh, you can anticipate that I'll maybe spend a little more time on each one, given that I know uh, that there aren't as many updates. Update episode number 15. So you know what that means on Friday. You all get to hear me talk uh, again for a couple hours. Uh, Lucky all of you. So that's all I got uh, for this Monday, August uh, 21st, 23, 23 uh, episode of Unfound Live. Please consider supporting Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, or just hit the join button below here on YouTube if you're on YouTube. Or you can hit PayPal.me forward slash Unfound Podcast, just like it says beneath uh, my picture here, and that's it. Uh, I will be starting on the update episode uh, tomorrow. Got some other work to do. Got to be working on the next Course Found episode. Going to be working on the next Unfound Now episode. So I got a lot of work to do before the end of the month. But that is it. Thank you all so much. Thank you for the the questions, comments. Thank you for taking some time out of your Monday night to join me on YouTube and Facebook. Good night, and say hi to the kids for me, Charlie.